Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball, let the ball with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets, you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here, for fresh conversations, and some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the claw, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. I just put the mouse from the computer over here, so. Mm. We're just going to do it old school. That's one way to do it. Yeah. You ready to go? Yeah. You better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets, you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here, for fresh conversations, and some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the claw, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks, and let's go. Calvin, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Or it Friday is. in my world. <laughs> Friday in Calvin's world. It is <laughs> Wednesday, June 1st. And officially the last day for early entrance to withdraw from the NBA draft and retain their NCAA scholarship eligibility. Have we seen any guys withdraw today? Yes. Uh, not. I don't know about today. There was recently, I'm not going to pronounce his name right because it's really, really long. A guy from NC State. I can't remember how you say his name. It's like okay. Tra- Trey Quavian okay. or something like that. Uh, he was a, a first-round projected pick somewhere in the mid 20s he has decided he's going to return to nc state next season june 13th is the official last day to withdraw from the nba draft however today is the day if you want to uh, retain your ncaa eligibility and be able to play in college basketball next year however if you're like jr smith you can apparently be in the nba for 
a really long time <laughs> and then go play and be eligible for college golf. So, well, it helps when you never went to college the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, shout out to J.R. Smith. He he keeps doing things, man. Great player, great player. All right, we got a busy show for you guys today. We are going to talk about our NBA picks here in the finals. We're going to talk about a, a finals MVP favorite. Um, we're going to talk about some rumors swirling around the NBA. And we're going to dive into our series on NBA offseason needs. Today we're going to cover four teams that are on the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. The Magic, the Pistons, the Pacers, the Wizards. We're going to kind of go over uh, you know, their roster, their starting five, the salary cap uh, that they have, the draft picks that they have, and see what we can do to set them up best uh, to potentially be battling for a playoff spot next year. I also want to remind everybody that's watching, we do have a brand new sponsor, Bet Us. You can see the banner down below. For your favorite sports betting needs, please go to betus.com. Uh, you can use the link down below in our description. And when you deposit at least $50, you get 125% of your deposit available for your first bet. Calvin and I throw out a ton of, uh, not financial advice, but uh, some betting tips here on the channel. So make sure you guys sign up for Bet Us. Use the link down below in the description. And if you guys have any questions as far as what, what we prefer, what we like, stuff like that, feel free to let us know. All right, Calvin, uh, before we jump here into the NBA Finals, any other news to note, anything today going on? Uh, no, I mean, <clears throat> just one more day until the NBA Finals starts. Yeah. We're almost there. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. Speaking of the NBA Finals, the game or the series officially starts tomorrow, June 2nd. I'm just looking at ESPN's uh, prediction here right now. Apparently, Boston has almost a 60% chance to win this game one in Golden State. Pretty interesting. Uh, they currently have Marcus Smart listed as day-to-day, -day, Robert Williams listed as day-to-day, -day, and Gary Payton and Andre Iguodala are bo both listed as out for the Warriors. Otto Porter is listed as day-to-day, -day, but you have uh, something to say about that? Well, I don't know if it just hasn't been updated or not, but if you look at the official injury report, Gary Payton and Andrea Godala, their status is listed as out, but in the comment section, they're both listed as questionable. So uh, I don't know what to make of that. Sounds like a Miami Heat tactic. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Or it just hasn't been updated by ESPN or something. I don't, I don't know. So we will have some more information for you guys tomorrow regarding that also the over under on this game is projected at 212 uh and a half and the warriors are favored by three and a half in this game one calvin are you betting over or under on this game Ooh, that's really tough i mean i think golden state is at home for these first two games so they'll probably score a decent amount of points it, that's a tough one. I'd, I'll take the over at first uh, glance. I okay. Guess. I'm going to take the over as well because I feel like a lot of these series, uh, the first game is kind of like a test on everyone, kind yeah. of a feel-out game. Uh, guys get going, and then as the series advances, uh, they kind of clamp down on defense, uh, You know, figure out what kind of game plan they're going for. So yeah. I am going to take the over on this first game. 
On yesterday's show, we announced our picks for the finals. You got the Celtics. I got the I Warriors. Any changes there? And uh, how many games? Nope. I'll take the Celtics in seven games. Okay. I'm going to take the Warriors in six games. I think they're going to close it out on the road. Wow. In Boston. It'll be interesting. We'll see what happens. Yep. What's up, Fred? Good to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Hopefully, hopefully you're having a wonderful Wednesday. All right, Calvin, speaking of the NBA Finals, I want to hear your favorite for Finals MVP. Another tough one. Uh, I am picking the Celtics to win, so I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. Okay. Finals MVP. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to go with Steph Curry on this one. Uh, I think this is the only thing that he hasn't uh, added to his resume. Uh Uh, Definitely much deserved and much needed. Uh, And, yeah, going with that trend of team that wins the finals generally has the finals MVP uh, on their team. I'm going with Steph Curry with this award, Uh, but we'll see what happens. We've seen guys like Andre Iguodala, other role players, win finals MVPs in the past. So we'll see if they have a a big shot Bob or somebody that's able to step up for either (laughs) of these teams. No finals MVPs for Big Shot Bob, though. Fred, I haven't seen the new Top Gun, but I did watch the old one on Netflix the other day. Uh, I got to see the new one in in the theater. I I really have to. Was that the first time you had seen the original? No, I just I don't remember it. it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, I want to go over a few more categories here for the NBA Finals. Now these are for the entire series. Um, we saw a series where LeBron James led his team in points, rebounds, assists, I think steals, blocks, yep. lost the series, didn't win finals MVP. It doesn't mean that those will always be related, but who's scoring the most points in this series? Uh, are we talking total points or points? Total per points. Total points. I, I'm going to go, I want to pick Steph Curry here, but I'm going to go with Jason Tatum again. Okay. Uh, I think he's gonna—he's my prediction for Finals MVP. I also like the matchup for Boston with Marcus Smart on Curry. I do think that Curry will have good games, but Smart's one of the better defenders in recent history on him. Uh, and then the, the total team defense, the physicality, I think that they'll bring, the Celtics will bring to every game. I give a slight edge to Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum... I'm worried about Jalen Brown, though, going ballistic in a couple games and having, like, 45 <laughs> points or something. I am also picking Jason Tatum. I think uh, I think he's going to have an amazing series. I don't think they win, but I think he scores the most points uh, overall. So I'm going with Jason Tatum as well for most points. This one gets a little bit tougher for me. Most rebounds. Who's going to have the most rebounds in this series, Calvin? Kevon... Looney. Wow. He has been so, so huge for the Warriors ever since Game 6 of the Memphis series. We've seen his minutes per game skyrocket in the postseason. I think he was only playing like 13 minutes a game in their first-round series against the Nuggets. Ends up playing 28 minutes a game in the Western Conference Finals against Dallas. Over 10 rebounds per game in that series. Offensive boards were huge. The guy is just in the right place at the right time. Robert Williams, uh, you know, for as athletic and and uh, for as athletic of a big man as he is, doesn't really average a ton of rebounds. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Al Horford leading the, the Celtics in rebounds per game so far in the postseason. So it was a tough call between those two. Uh, but I I will take Kevon Looney. Okay. I'm actually going to take Al Horford here. Uh, Mr. 141 playoff games without a finals appearance. He finally makes it. I think this is his moment to shine on the glass. I think he steps up huge in this series and leads all players on both teams in rebounds. Yeah, I think that that's very, very possible. I, I'm going to give a slight edge to Kevon Looney because I think he's a little bit fresher. Yep. Al Horford, it's crazy to me that he's been able to play as well as he's played at the age that he is, mm-hmm. playing 38 minutes per game in the postseason, yeah. and at least in the, the semifinal series. He's been well over 30 minutes a game in every series this season, this postseason. Really amazing what he's done for them. After returning from Philadelphia, he has found the fountain of youth yeah. in Boston. Al Horford, big series, I think. All right, next up we have most assists. This is a tough one as well because, uh, you know, both of these teams, they move the ball around. However, uh, they have a lot of scorers on their team, some guys that don't like to pass the ball mm-hmm. so much, and a lot of guys that just kind of get their own shot, so assists don't necessarily lead to buckets for them. Who you got leading the series in total assists? Draymond Green. Wow. The Warriors are, uh, you know, as good a team as any in the league in terms of moving the ball. Their offense is predicated on it, ball movement, off-ball movement. They're really clicking, I think. These last those last couple games against the Mavericks, they had over 30 assists, I think, in in multiple games, and uh, they're really going to need to do that, rely on that a lot against a tough half court Boston defense. Draymond is like usual going to get a lot of space, I think, when he operates uh, at the top of the key or the perimeter. Uh, so I'll take Draymond. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Uh, I'm sticking with the same team in the Warriors, but I'm going to go with Steph Curry here. I feel that. For Boston to have a chance in this series, they're going to need to find a way to take Steph Curry out of the game or at least try their best, which is going to allow Steph Curry to have a lot of open guys to pass the ball to. I expect Steph Curry to get doubled early and often. I expect him to kick it out to guys like Clay Thompson for three, uh, find a cutting Draymond Green for an easy bucket, stuff like that. Also, to, not to mention uh, Andrew Wiggins, also great at getting to the basket as well. I think Steph Curry is going to lead uh, the entire series in assists. And I think gonna, Steph Curry is going to play a lot more off the ball in this yeah. series for the reason that you just mentioned. He's going to get doubled every time he gets it, uh, and <clears throat> he's so good at playing off the ball. They mm-hmm. adjust to that on the fly perfectly. Yep. And we're going to come back and check these after the finals is over. The last potential day of an NBA Finals game is June 19th. So we will come back and check on these and see where we landed here. Uh, last one, Calvin. Most underrated player in the finals. This is a really hard one. I mean, you can make a case for so many people, right? Even the bigger names in the series, like Marcus Smart or, or somebody like that. But I'm, again, going to go with Kevon Looney. That The dude has been so, so instrumental for this Warriors team in this finals run. I think he's the probably the least talked about name maybe of any player that's going to play a lot of minutes in this finals. I, I mentioned him having such a huge impact for the Warriors on the glass, so I will take Kevon Looney again for most underrated. 
This is a very, very tough question. The toughest of all of them for me so far. Uh, because you can interpret this in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah, you can. And, and you know, for honorable mention, I was going to mention Jalen Brown just because when you talk about great players in the league, his name never really comes up. You don't really hear it. And he's been there every step of the way for this Boston team. When Jason Tatum seems to hit a rough, rough spot or, or can't make a bucket, Jalen Brown is right there getting buckets. However, most underrated player, I'm going to have to go with Al Horford again here. I think Al Horford, as you mentioned, playing how well he's playing at this age is quite incredible. The first time the Celtics moved him, uh, they thought that his career was pretty much over, right? He underperformed in Philadelphia, ends up coming back here to Boston. He's been playing incredibly well. We saw the defense he was able to play on uh, Kevin Durant in the first mm -hmm. round of these NBA playoffs. Al Horford doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, I think he's been an incredible player in the league for a really long time, and I'm just so surprised he's able to continue to do it at his age. So I'm going Al Horford, most underrated player in this year's NBA Finals. I like it. Also want to remind you all that are watching, we are sponsored by Bet Us, so make sure you guys go to BetUs.com if you would like to bet with Calvin and I on the NBA Finals. You can use our code down below in the description to get 125% bonus on your first deposit. And uh, I don't know about you, Calvin, but I'm betting on the Warriors to win the finals <laughs> this year. So uh, I'm, yeah? I'm going to let that. You're going to uh, put your money where your mouth is, huh? I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. All right. Wow. Okay. We covered the NBA finals, and we're going to be talking about that for the next two weeks a ton. So, uh, a lot of stuff to go over there. Fred, I want to hear from you who you think is going to lead in most points, rebounds, assists, and who your most underrated player is uh, in the finals because Calvin and I listed all ours. We want to hear from you. Um, fun questions. Have fun with your answers. All right, next up, Calvin, we have a rumor that, uh, you know, the Jazz – all sorts of rumors swirling about them, right? Quinn Snyder is not yeah. certain whether he's going to return to the team. I saw a mock trade today of Tyler Hero and some picks for Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest question mark for them is Rudy Gobert, right? You know, if the dude makes a ton of money, was exposed in this year's playoffs, and I think exposed is an understatement. <laughs> the dude could do absolutely nothing. He was taken out of the game. Yeah which is quite unfortunate because the guy has a ton of skill. And a specialist like that, it just proves how good you are at certain things to be able to make it this far, being a specialist. But uh, a lot of people are discussing whether the Jazz are going to choose him or Donovan Mitchell. For me, that's an easy decision. I'm taking Donovan Mitchell 99, maybe even 100, 101 times out of 100. So what's going to happen with Rudy Gobert? Rudy Gobert? He makes a ton of money. Uh, we heard some rumors about a potential team that's interested, Calvin. Yeah, I think this is the time of year when the rumors are just flying around like crazy. You can you can look up almost any rumor that you want to believe at this point about any of your favorite players. But he's currently being linked to the Toronto Raptors for Pascal Spin Move Siakam, Calvin's third favorite player. I do love Pascal. Interesting move here. Uh, I, they said that this package was centered around Pascal Siakam, so maybe yeah, it, it could include a draft pick a or maybe an OG Ananobi or, or somebody like that. 
for me, this basically signals that the Raptors are all in on Scotty Barnes, right? Like Pascal Siakam has been incredible and he's overachieved in that team, won a championship with them. Um, But Scotty Barnes has really emerged as the man on that team. Does trading a guy like Pascal Siakam for a guy like Rudy Gobert, who we saw the team have issues with big men in the playoffs, more specifically Joel Embiid, does this help uh, the Raptors? Uh, The short answer is yes, but I hate this trade for Toronto. I hate it. (laughs) I mean, you're telling me you're going to trade your best player and one of your best wings, a great two-way player who's improving and getting better, uh, is a very, very popular trade asset right now in the market in OG and Obi. For a guy in Rudy Gobert who does two things yeah. and is enormously overpaid. Yeah. I, I think the Jazz would win this deal ten times over if it was a real thing. I don't expect it to happen. I, for for me, Rudy Gobert, there's really only one team that I think it makes sense for to go after him in a trade, and that's the Warriors. Wow. What because about Charlotte? Again, that Rudy Gobert doesn't, as we saw in the playoffs this year, he doesn't help you enough offensively to get your team over the hump. Mm-hmm. The Warriors, they don't need offensive help. That's why it makes perfect sense to me. The Warriors are tough for me just based on the salary cap situation. Of yeah, I, it's a very – all those guys. Uh, it, everything would have to work out perfectly, and it's highly unlikely, I think, because of the money. But I, I just – if Toronto pulls the trigger on that deal, Phoenix, I hope you're watching because <laughs> I, I hope you feel the same way that I do about it. I think that they would be as good or potentially good as Scotty Barnes can be. Yep. I think that would be taking a step back in more ways than one, financially and with the play on the court. Yeah, for me, when I look at a trade like this – and. If I'm the Raptors, I'm saying no to this immediately. When I look at a guy like Rudy Gobert, I feel like it's about time for him to move on, right? Like, it's not working in Utah. He needs to find a new situation, start out fresh. But he makes so much money that makes it difficult. So if I'm looking for an ideal trade scenario for a guy like Rudy Gobert, I'm looking for other bad contracts in the NBA, right? The reason I mentioned Charlotte is they have a guy in Gordon Hayward, who I think is on a pretty bad contract. Yeah. Maybe that would work out. I look at a team like Houston that has a guy like John Wall who's under a huge contract. Maybe Houston makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at the L.A. Lakers, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like this move, um, but you look at a guy like Russell Westbrook who makes a ton of money, and the team has had trouble finding a team that would take him. Maybe Utah would be willing to do a Westbrook for Gobert swap don't know how much this really helps the Lakers. You know, LeBron James likes to get to the paint. If Rudy Gobert's standing there, maybe that creates some issues for him. We did see him win a championship with Dwight Howard, who's very similar in stature to a guy like Rudy Gobert. Um, but for me, there's no perfect situation here. But I think Rudy Gobert gets moved for more of a quote-unquote bad contract than a guy like Pascal Siakam, who I think is in a reasonable contract and uh, can get better and better. Yeah, it's just hard for me to to uh, justify trading for a center that's paid like he's the second or third best, one of the top three centers in the league, yep. but he's not. So I mentioned 
the Rockets. What do you think about this deal? Which deal? John Wall oh. for Rudy Gobert. I feel like this could potentially help both teams, right? Like you kind of yeah. get that John Wall, Bradley Beal pairing again in Utah. And then, you know, Houston doesn't know what they're doing, but that's, they have a bunch of guards. True. And if I were to name another player that I think could play pretty well next to a guy like Gobert, I would say it's Christian Wood, right? He's a great offensive yeah. player. He can stretch the floor a little bit. Um, I think that gives Houston a great starting point moving into next season. Yeah, you know, that I, that deal makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, like you said, Houston – needs to decide what they're doing yeah first and foremost but that would be maybe a you know the start of that heading down a path there the only other destination i could think of is oklahoma city and i think they would be willing to do it to pick up some more draft picks <laughs> so yeah we'll see if that happens we've seen them pick up bad salaries or overpaid players in the past to add yeah. more draft picks they do not have any salary concerns at this minute, so they can definitely take on a huge contract like Rudy Gobert uh, for some draft capital or maybe you know a young player or two. But we will see uh, what happens here. All right, before we move into NBA offseason needs, we're going to touch on the Magic, the Pistons, the Pacers, and the Wizards. Is there any other uh, rumors, news, or anything else going on in the NBA that you have on your mind? Well, there's a ton. I mean, you're now that the Heat are eliminated, you're really starting to hear the rumors fly about that team, what they're going to do with Tyler Hero. <clears throat> um, a lot of trade proposals flying around. There's uh, Jeremy Grant is back on the rumor mill. I saw a, an interesting deal sending him to the Atlanta Hawks for somebody like uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich or... Danilo Gallinari plus their first round pick. Like I said, there's if you are if you want to find something right now, you probably can because people will write about it from now until the draft. Yeah, and we're actually going to talk about the Detroit Pistons here in a little bit and Jeremy Grant. So, uh, any other things before we jump in here? Uh, no, it's all speculation at this point. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the Orlando magic they finished last season with the worst record in the eastern conference at 22 and 60 they have a lot of work to do they lucked out in the nba draft lottery and they officially have the number one overall pick in this mm -hmm. year's nba draft calvin let's talk about an orlando magic rebuild but before we can do that i want to just touch on the depth chart where they're looking at salary cap wise, and then we can both kind of make some recommendations as far as where they go from here. Point guards, Cole Anthony, drafted just last year, has played incredibly well. He has solidified himself as the starting point guard for now on the Orlando Magic. And the guy that they traded for just a couple years ago in Markel Foltz is now backing him up. Number one overall pick for uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Forgot how to shoot, had an injured shoulder. <laughs> Ended up getting picked up by Orlando for a late first-round pick. I'd say it was a good deal for both teams, but he is currently the second-string point guard for this Orlando team. Shooting guard, Jalen Suggs, a young guy with a ton of potential, early first-round draft pick. And R.J. Hampton is uh, the second-string shooting guard, according to ESPN's depth chart. We have Franz Wagner starting uh, at small forward. 
number one overall, or sorry, first round draft pick just this last year has played incredibly well. Great defender, great shooter. Terrence Ross is backing him up. Then we have Jonathan Isaac filling in the power forward position. Now, this dude has not played since 2020, since tearing an ACL. In March, he also injured his hamstring, uh, rehabbing that I think ACL. it was an Achilles injury for him. I think it was both. I think it was Achilles really and then both? ACL. God, it's amazing yeah. how often these guys get both of those now. Yeah, so he hasn't it's played long. since August of 2020. And he is officially slated as the starting power forward on this team next season. He's also their highest paid player Yeah, uh, currently for next season. Then you have Wendell Carter Jr. starting at center. He was picked up uh, from the Bulls for Nikola Vucevic, also a first-round pick pretty recently. And Mo Bamba is uh, filling in that backup center position, also a first-round pick by the Orlando Magic. Just to jump here into salary cap information, Gary Harris is an expiring $20 million deal, expiring at the end of this season, which is about a week away from now. Jonathan Isaac, as you mentioned, is signed for three more seasons, 17.4 each season, and these are all partially guaranteed contracts, probably due to incentives, game, games played, injuries, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. When you have a guy dealing with knee injuries, Achilles injuries, stuff like that, you re-sign him to a deal because he's only 24, but you put some provisions in there to protect yourself, and that's exactly what they did with yeah. him. Markel Fultz, very similar situation, 24 years old. He's locked in for $16.5 million next season and a partially guaranteed $17 million for the season after that. Terrence Ross is in the last year of his contract, $11.5 million for next season. Mo Bamba is a restricted free agent. We'll see what happens with him this offseason. Wendell Carter was just signed to a new four-year deal, $14 million next season, and he has three years after that. Jalen Suggs starts year two of his rookie deal at $6.9 million. Franz Wagner also starts uh, year two of his rookie deal at $5.2 million. Robin Lopez is a $5 million expiring contract at the end of this season. Cole Anthony, uh, RJ Hampton both enter year three of their rookie deals. Bull Bull is officially off the books here. Um, and Mo Wagner has a partially guaranteed $1.8 million contract for next season. I mentioned they also have the first pick in this year's NBA draft. So, Calvin, I want to hear from you. What are the most important things to be handled this offseason? Do you like this team? Do you like the direction they're going? And uh, what other kind of insights or, or tips do you have to help them get back to the NBA playoffs? Wow, man, they've definitely got some work to do before they get back to the playoffs, right? I mean, this this roster is kind of all over the place right now. It's a little bit bare bones. You know, when you talk about uh, teams rebuilding, um, obviously there's basically only a few different ways you can go about doing that, right? You can rebuild through the draft. You can rebuild tool through free agency or you can try to throw together a huge trade that nabs you a win now player if i think about what makes the most sense or what is most realistic for the magic it's rebuilding through the draft they've kind of already started that process their two draft picks last year they've got to be feeling very very good about franz wagner was uh you know probably the leading candidate for rookie of the year the first half of the season injuries kind of derailed the end of his year uh, but he 
far exceeded my expectations for what his rookie season was going to look like. Jalen Suggs the same way. A lot of injuries, didn't play a ton of, of games, but uh, like you mentioned, lots of potential. Um, they definitely need to figure out what's going on with their backcourt because they have three guys in Fultz, Anthony, and Suggs who are all combo guards. None of them, I would really say, are true point guards or true shooting guards. So what is the combination? Who do you start in that backcourt? Or do you decide to move on from one of those guys and let Jalen Suggs be the, the man? Um, they definitely need to add depth at the front on the front court position. And luckily for them, the first overall pick could nab them one of the two best players in this draft who are legit starting power forwards, we believe, in the NBA. So when I think about, you know, can they make a trade to try to improve quicker than that? What are their real best trade assets? They don't have many right now. Jonathan Isaac's their highest paid player, but like you said, he hasn't played in a couple of seasons. Uh, Markel Fultz, you know, I don't think anybody is willing to trade for him at this point. So you basically have the number one overall pick, to use, which mm -hmm. is probably their best asset, mm -hmm. or one of these young guys that just finished their rookie season, I don't believe they want to trade Suggs or Wagner at this moment. So you take this number one pick, you use it on Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, whichever you feel is the better fit for the team, uh, and then you continue to retool that way through the draft. They've got a lot of young guys here that have a lot of potential. It's not going to be a quick rebuild, I think, for this team. Um, but on the other side of that, that allows you to take a little bit of a risk here in terms of Jonathan Isaac and Fultz. Mm -hmm. it, these guys are very, it, it's undetermined what they're going to look like at this point. However, if they return to, you know, reasonable form, especially Isaac, and you give the qualifying offer on Mo Bamba, you've got a really big, long, uh, very good P defensive potential team. Jalen Suggs is an excellent defender in his own right. Mm -hmm. Everybody raves about Jonathan Isaac's wingspan and his ability to cover ground. He's the prototypical uh, two-way forward that the league wants right now. Then you add a guy like Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren who also have really high uh, defensive potential and Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. back there anchoring the defense. That's a good start. As I said, it's going to be a slow rebuild, but I don't see a ton of other options for this Magic team right now. Yeah, I, I just want to start out here by saying I love what this Magic team is doing. I think they've drafted extremely well recently. They have over $40 million in cap space this offseason. There's not really any bad contracts on this team. I mean, you would say maybe Jonathan Isaac is a bad contract if he doesn't return to the court but the fact that it is partially guaranteed and they can void the contract if they like is very interesting for me the number one key to this magic team is going to be patience you have a lot of young guys yeah. i think the oldest guy under contract for next season is terrence ross at 31 other than that you have three different guys that are 24 some guys that are 20 22 21 23 a ton of young guys on this team and the fact that you won the draft lottery and have the number one overall pick here goes right along the lines that you were saying is in their best off rebuilding through the draft. And they've already started that process. I like Markel Fultz. Unfortunately, he has not, uh, you know, 
exceeded expectations for being the number one overall pick, which is very hard. But he is only 24 years old. He was an incredible college player, and I think he will have an impact in the NBA. I just don't know what that is at this point. I like Jonathan Isaac a lot. As you mentioned, very lengthy. He can score from many different positions. He just needs to get healthy, which is also kind of in my patience uh, that I was mentioning. Wendell Carter Jr. is only 23 years old. He's locked up on a very reasonable contract. Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, both guys drafted uh, you know, last season that have played well. Cole Anthony, drafted the season before that, has also played well. I love this team's roster as far as youth. I love looking at their books here and not seeing any like overpaid huge contracts that are holding this team back. It's just patience for me. I think you draft either Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith, whoever you feel will fit in well at the four position. And I think you got to bring back Mo Bamba. He's also only 24 years old. I think you can get him on a relatively uh, reasonable contract. You're going to have a ton of young guys on this team. You need them all to just be fighting for positions. Let the cream rise to the top. See who you're going to have. Uh, and then I think you spend a lot of this offseason money bringing in veterans, uh, I like to think of this team similar to an earlier version of the Phoenix Suns before they brought in Chris Paul, a team with a lot of young guys, a lot of talent, but they haven't really proven or done anything. Not that Chris Paul's available, but maybe you bring in a Rajon Rondo, a Ricky Rubio, some of these older guys that can help mentor these players while not stealing their starting position. So I really like this Orlando Magic team. I think they have uh, a lot of potential. It's just going to take some patience from the front office, from the fans, and from the players to watch these younger guys develop and establish themselves, build a culture, build an identity, and build some chemistry. But I think this will be uh, an amazing team in three years from now. Wow. Uh, that's a bold prediction there. Yeah. Um, but you could be very right, especially if you know Suggs and Wagner continue to improve um, and become you know legit players, first-round talents that – that they've shown promise for. And another thing I like about this team is if you get Fultz and um, Isaac back healthy, all of a sudden you've got a pretty deep team. Yeah. Like this is a team that's probably 11 to 12 guys deep. When you mention people like Terrence Ross, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, um, that, that bench gets a lot stronger with bringing these guys back healthy. Yeah. Another thing that I'm looking at is 2024 and 2025. Cause you know, we've all played NBA 2K where we've traded every single player and started out with a bunch of draft picks and drafted guys, and it's great. But if guys over-exceed or if they do exceptionally well, which you want them to do, you need to pay them. So for me, I'm looking at 2024, 2025, you're going to have to pay guys like Cole Anthony, potentially RJ Hampton, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, uh, and maybe even a Marco Foltz and a Jonathan Isaac if they end up playing much better. So... I think it'll be interesting to see how they are able to kind of work out all these contracts. You're obviously not going to keep all these players, but hopefully by 2024, 2025, you will know who your starters are and who you're building around. It's the beauty of having all this young talent is basically you can throw them all out there, let them fight for their position, for their spot. So uh, exciting team. I think uh, they're not going to make the playoffs next season. However, I have a lot of high hopes for this team, and I think they will be something to reckon with in a few years with some patience, uh, with a little bit of luck as far as injuries go, and just a lot, a lot of hard work from these players and from uh, the coaching staff on this team. 
If you're a Magic fan, make sure you hit that like button and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Calvin and I will be here all offseason breaking down the Orlando Magic and a bunch of these other teams in the NBA. So we would appreciate if you guys subscribe to the channel. Calvin, any last thoughts on the Orlando Magic before we move on here? Uh, June 23rd is a big, big day for them. It is. Very big day. Are you keeping the pick? Yeah. Yeah, I'm keeping the pick. I'm definitely keeping the pick. I don't think you should trade a number one overall pick unless it's just a complete garbage draft, which I don't think this is. But that's what you draft for, right, is everyone wants the number one pick. They want the ability to choose from the litter basically any guy that you want, and they have that. So yeah, congratulations to them. It's going to be an exciting season for the Orlando Magic next year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can argue, like, why why not try to, to move that pick and a player or something like that for somebody like Bradley Beal or Donovan Mitchell, you know, one of these real I- elite-level players in the league right now. But the, the problem with that for me is, as we've just been talking about, patience, slow rebuild, all that stuff, I don't think that really accelerates th- the process for them. Yes, no. you get a great player, but... He has no help around him, and it, you know you're you're not any closer to making the playoffs just because you made that deal. It hurts their salary cap situation, and Absolutely. his window doesn't line yeah. up with these yeah. young guys. All right, Calvin, let's talk about the Detroit Pistons. They finished uh, last season with the second to worst record in the Eastern Conference at twenty three and fifty nine. They have the fifth pick in this year's NBA draft. And let's talk a little bit about the team here. To give some context, I want to break down just the depth chart real quick and uh, the salary cap, and then we'll hear uh, your thoughts on how they can rebuild this franchise. So first off, the starting point guard last season was Corey Joseph. Killian Hayes was filling in uh, as the backup. Cade Cunningham, an exciting player to watch, is their starting shooting guard, and they have Frank Jackson coming off the bench to back him up. Sadiq Bey fills in the three spot for them. Uh, Jeremy Grant fills in the power forward spot. And they traded for Marvin Bagley last season, so he is backing up Jeremy uh, at the four. And Isaiah Stewart, uh, you may remember him for getting into it with LeBron James this last offseason and bleeding all over the court. He is currently (laughs) the starting center on the Detroit Pistons. And looking here at the salary cap, Jeremy Grant next year will be entering in the last year of his deal at $20.9 million. Kelly Olenek is still on this squad, $12.8 million next season, and a partially guaranteed $12.1 the season after that. Marvin Bagley's contract is expiring at the end of the season. He will be a restricted free agent if they offer him the qualifying offer, so we will see what happens with that. Cade Cunningham is entering in year two of his rookie deal at $10.5 million. Corey Joseph has a player option of $5.1 million for next season. Killian Hayes entering in year three of his rookie deal. Uh, Diallo is entering in year four of his rookie deal. Isaiah Stewart entering in year three as well. Frank Jackson also entering in year two, or sorry, year four of his uh rookie scale contract and Sadiq Bey is starting year three of his rookie contract you have a couple other young guys on this squad but for the most part this team's looking good they got about 40 million dollars in salary cap space Calvin I want to hear from you if you're the Detroit Pistons what are your top priorities this offseason and uh you know what's your outlook on next year 
Well, the number one priority is is what do you do with Jeremy Grant? I think most people believe that he's going to be traded. Um, he is eligible for uh, a four-year, hundred-plus million-dollar extension. Um, I think it, with the Pistons, it's like over 180 million or something like that. Most people believe they're not going to pay him that money. That handicaps them a little bit financially. And outside of him, as you just went over, they've got great contracts. I mean, Sadiq mm-hmm. Bay had a phenomenal year last year, and the dude was only making like $2 million. Yep. So they're in a great spot financially if they trade Jeremy Grant for some other assets, maybe tra- uh, draft picks, players, something like that. I really think this team needs to take a look at what the Dallas Mavericks did with Luka Doncic okay, and follow that model. Cade Cunningham, I think, is cut from a similar cloth as Luka. They're guys that can do a little bit of everything. They have great size for somebody that runs your offense. They're not the most athletic or the most explosive players on the court, but they're great decision makers with the ball. They can score. They can pass. They can do a little bit of everything. And so I think the Pistons really need to be thinking about how to surround Cunningham with those same types of players that Dallas is surrounding Luka Doncic. Three and D wings. They need to sure up the front court, decide what they're doing with Marvin Bagley. Are they going to give him an extension, make him a part of the future? Uh, Sadiq Bey is definitely one of those types of guys. Mm -hmm. The Pistons are really hoping that Jaden Ivey falls to them at five. But if I were them, I would much rather draft a guy like Shaden Sharp or even A.J. Griffin. Again, it's those same types of players that are really, really good outside shooters and quality defenders. That's the type of person or player that I would be looking to, to surround Cade Cunningham with moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, this team just is in the middle of a rebuild, and they are not, uh, they're not on the positive side of the rebuild right now. They're still in the tear it down and add young players and draft pick stage. I think I agree with you 100%. They need to figure out what they're doing with Jeremy Grant. I think they need to trade this guy for young prospects and draft picks. This team just needs more talent. They just need more young talent to build around. So I would look to trade him for the best package I can get surrounding young players and draft picks. I think you got to figure out what you're doing with Kelly Olynyk. I mentioned uh, he's got two years left on his deal. One of them is partially guaranteed. So he could potentially be seen as an expiring deal next year and maybe have some value in that. Um, if this team does need to pick up, uh, you know, a, a high contract guy to add some more draft picks, I would be willing to do something like that because they have, you know, $40 million in cap space. I agree with you about Marvin Bagley. I think they need to re-sign him. I think they took the gamble. They got him. I think he's not well, going to... It makes a lot of sense if you're going to get rid of Jeremy Grant, right? Yep. Like He's an immediate pl- person that can step into that role, and you're probably going to get him for a relatively reasonable deal yeah exactly i think it's going to be very reasonable especially for a former number two overall pick who's only 23 with a lot of potential he just needs to stay healthy i love what i've seen from cade cunningham i expect him to be the future franchise star of this team Corey joseph as i mentioned has got a five million dollar player option i'm not mad if he opts in for next season because when you have a bunch of young guys on this team you do need veterans but you need veterans that aren't overpaid and that don't inhibit your team from adding talent. $5 million for Corey Joseph next season uh, is not a bad deal for me at all. 
I'm looking ahead to the draft here because that's the most important need coming yep. up. Is it going to be Jaden Ivey? Is it going to be Shaden Sharp? Is it going to be Keegan Murray or one of these other guys? I'm not quite sure, but if I'm Detroit, I'm drafting best available at this point. I think that they are at that stage in their rebuild right now. Is they just need to draft best available. They need to add young talent, young uh, or picks, and uh, they need to figure it out from there. I like the direction this team is heading. There's a lot of young players on this team. I don't think they're really uh, you know, looking bad as far as cap space-wise. It's just going to be a long rebuild for them. I'm thinking three, maybe four years from now, they will be relevant. Uh, and sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, I mean, Kate Cunningham is a really – I like him a lot. Uh, he's a very special player. And that al- alone, just having a guy like that, means your rebuild could actually go faster uh, you know, than you think if he continues to get better. And, and having a guy like that, again, that's why I think I would not be drafting best available. I would be drafting for the fit right now. I think there's a lot of guys in this draft, a lot of wings that are very similar and do a lot of, of the same things well. I love Keegan Murray. But, again, you've got Sadiq Bey and probably Marvin Bagley who are going to already be at those forward positions. Maybe Keegan Murray beats out Marvin Bagley in training camp for the starting spot. But then you're like, well, why did we just sign Marvin Bagley if if that's the case? Play Bagley at the five. Not a bad bad option to have. Um, But, again, same thing for Jaden Ivey. Fantastic player, but I'm not sure about the fit with him and Cade Cunningham together. I would much rather see them go after somebody that complements Cade Cunningham's skill set much, much better uh, than just taking the best available player. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I just think this team needs to add talent. That That's the bottom oh, line Oh, they for do. Me. Absolutely. And uh, it's going to be a while. There's no, you know, when you're a team like Detroit, Sacramento, Orlando, you know, you're not a free agent destination. People are not lining up to come to your franchise. So you have to build through the draft. You have to build through trades. And that means that, you know, you're going to be involved in certain years where you're like, okay, we're not doing anything this year. We just need to add as much talent as we can, develop the young guys, and move on. I expect them to be in the draft lottery again next season. Now, maybe they win the draft lottery like Orlando did this year, and maybe that helps speed up their rebuild process. But, you know, pick five is tough. We've heard about this being maybe a three-player draft. Now, you're always going to find players late in the draft that, you know, can help a franchise. But pick number five is always difficult, right? Because you're kind of right on that fringe where it's like, we missed out on all the guys that we know are going to be good. And now we have either guys that are super athletic or guys that have played well in college, but we don't really know how it transitions to the NBA. So Detroit Pistons are in a tough spot here. Um, I do expect them to add some talent at this year's draft, and I expect them, like I said, to be back in the lottery probably towards the top of the draft next season. And uh, hopefully between those two players, Cade Cunningham, Marvin Bagley, and some of these other young players, they can help become relevant again. Mm-hmm. But uh, the key thing for me that I'm watching is Jeremy Grant and what happens with him this offseason. Oh, off yeah, season. definitely. If you are a Detroit Pistons fan, please hit that like button down below and please subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I are going to be here all off-season breaking down off-season needs for the Detroit Pistons, as well as many other teams around the league. We're going to be doing some fun NBA 2K rebuilds and stuff like that. So if you love basketball, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below.
All right, Calvin. We're halfway through this here. <laughs> I know this has taken a, a ton of time today, but we have a lot of fun breaking down these things. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's a lot to talk about, obviously. And as I mentioned to you guys, during the next couple weeks, Calvin and I are going to be tackling all 30 teams in the NBA, including whoever wins the NBA championship this season, talking about things that they can do this offseason to help improve their roster, help get them back to the NBA playoffs next season, and maybe even repeat as champions. So uh, next up... We have the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers switched it up last season by trading their franchise player in DeMontis Sabonis uh, to the Sacramento Kings for a young stud in Tyrese Halliburton. They've moved on from quite a few guys in past years, including Victor Oladipo and some of their franchise players like Paul George. Now they're sitting at 25 and 57 with the third worst record here in the Eastern Conference. They have picked six in this year's NBA draft. And let's talk about things they can do to help improve their team this offseason. Real quick, before we do that, I just want to break down the depth chart and the salary cap situation to give everyone some context here. So first off, starting point guard for the Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, they have Tyrese Halliburton starting at the shooting guard position. Buddy Heald, the starting three uh, for them. And Chris, Chris Duarte, who had an incredible rookie season, is backing up Buddy Heald at that three position. TJ Warren is the starting power forward for them. And Miles Turner is starting at center. A lot of injuries to TJ Warren and Miles Turner this season. It's been a very, very tough year for them. But let's Brogdon look. has had some injury issues as well. Yes, but let's look here at the salary cap. Buddy Heald is the highest paid player this season, but he will not be next season. He's making $20.5 million next season and eighteen point five the year after that. Malcolm Brogdon, officially the highest paid player on this team, he's making $22.6 million next season, and he has two more years after that, Miles Turner is entering in the last year of his contract at $18 million. Ricky Rubio is expiring, $7.8 million. And TJ Warren is also a $12.7 million expiring contract for this team. TJ McConnell, $8.1 million next season, two years after that. Jalen Smith is entering in the third year of his rookie deal, and so is Tyrese Halliburton. Chris Duarte will be entering in the second year of his rookie deal at $3.9 million. Isaiah Jackson entering in year two of his rookie deal. And then we have a, a couple young guys making a million to $3 million per season. This team's got almost $30 million in cap space. Calvin, what are your offseason needs for the Indiana Pacers? Can I say everything? <laughs> this team is really hard. I mean, I like a lot of these players. I love Malcolm Brogdon, but all uh, indications are pointing towards Indiana going full rebuild, rebuild mode. Malcolm Brogdon's name has been mentioned uh, in trade rumors a lot. I like Miles Turner a ton. Um, I love Duarte and Halliburton. Like the, They've got some really good pieces here. However, I, I think they continue to blow this team up there's been a lot of talk about will they trade the sixth pick new york knicks are rumored to want to move up um other you know other teams around the 10 to 12 range so there there's a ton of different ways 
or different things that this team can do in the offseason. But I, I think they're hitting the total reset button here. I expect Malcolm Brogdon to be moved. Uh, that creates a lot of cap space for them. They stick with the young guys in the backcourt, Halliburton, Duarte. Uh, I don't know what their future plans are for Buddy Heald. You know, as as everybody out there who watches us on a regular basis knows, we cover the Kings on another channel, and Buddy Heald is a big headache for <laughs> most most organizations, especially when you make over twenty million dollars. So I'm I'm not sure what their future plans are for him. Also, given the fact that Duarte is is a up and coming shooting guard, like with a mm -hmm. lot of potential, a lot of promise, really really good value pick there for them. I'm a big T.J. Warren fan as well, but I don't think he'll be back with this team next year either. So, it, just like we've been talking about with these other two teams here, it's all about adding talent and assets right now, as many as you can get, because you've got some foundational pieces, but you need to bring in new faces and, and new talent around them. But I think yeah. Miles Turner and Tyrese Halliburton together is a great start. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, this team is one of the hardest teams when you look at what they need to do because oh, they sure. could go in multiple different directions. And, you know, I thought the same thing last season, right? When we're hearing the, the rumors about Lavert, Sabonis, Turner, who's going to get traded, they said, oh, we're only going to trade one or two of those guys because – we're, we're retooling or we're, we're rebuilding on the fly. We're not trying to tear it all down. They made some other moves that made you think maybe they are trying to tear it all down. I think that Tyrese Halliburton was their guy that they targeted in the Sabonis trade. Buddy Heald was a throw-in for me. So I think you had a great point. And what do they do with Buddy Heald? Does he get traded to a contender? Do you let him just kind of play out this contract and let him leave for nothing? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'd keep an eye on a team like Do you play them the Lakers. 35 minutes a game and tank? Yeah. And potentially lose? I'd keep an eye on the team like the Lakers or another contender that needs shooting to potentially make a trade for a guy like Buddy Heald. But I think you're absolutely right here. I think this team is in the middle of tearing it down even further. I expect Malcolm Brogdon to be traded as well. I expect TJ Warren to maybe just be let go this year in free agency or a sign-in trade. It didn't cost them much to get him. He played exceptionally well, especially in yeah. the bubble, and then he's had a ton of injuries since then. Yeah. Yeah. So he might just kind of be a salary cap clearing event this offseason. Miles Turner is where the big question mark is for me on this squad. I absolutely love Miles Turner. Great rim protector, can shoot the three very, very well. I think he's a, a very underappreciated player in the NBA. He is the prototypical big man that I want on my team these days. He mentioned last season that he was unhappy with his role on this team, and he wanted to be more, uh, have a bigger role. He wanted to be, you know, the franchise player. I think he has an opportunity here if he says, okay, Indiana, I'm expiring at the end of this year, but you could re-sign me, and I'm willing to stick around for a few years. I'm only 26 years old. I'm willing to grow with this young core, and I will be your franchise player. I think that's a perfect opportunity for him. However, he could see the writing on the wall and say, this team's in for a multi-year rebuild. I want out. And they could decide to move him for more, uh, you know, assets. Ultimately, I think he stays on the team. And I think you're right. Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, and Miles Turner is a great core to start with. We'll see what they do with the draft pick this season. 
Personally, I would draft a guy like Shaden Sharp if I could. If he Shooting. falls, yeah, absolutely. If he falls to me, I'm I'm drafting him, and I got Halliburton, Duarte, Sharp, and Miles Turner, and I'm just trying to figure out who's going to be the four for us. Yeah, I think that's a great start. But like if I the, mentioned, there's the a Knicks, ton of different ways to go with this. If the Knicks offer you Julius Randle and a pick swap, six for I think they're eleven 10 or 11. eleven. Are you doing that? That is a very, very tough question. Yeah. Very, very tough. Because if I feel like there's a guy that I can grab at 11 that will fill the three spot, and there are quite a few players that can do that, I'm feeling pretty good going into next season. But for me, it's all up to Tyrese and Miles Turner. Yeah. I think these are my two young guys that I'm building around, and I want them to have some say in what the team's doing. If they're willing to stick around for a rebuild, then no, I'm not making that trade but if they're like we need to win now we don't have any patience i'm either considering shipping them out or i'm making that deal because yeah. Yeah, that's that, the thing with a rebuild is, i mean it would probably be something like julius randall for malcolm brogdon and swap the picks yep i would have a hard time saying no to that deal if i'm indiana yeah yeah that's tough i mean looking at pick number 11 you got you got some good guys. Johnny Davis, um, if you do want to go big, Mark Williams is there. So there are some opportunities. But, yeah, I think this fan base needs to, like I said with uh, the Pistons, they need some patience here um, because this could end up being a multi-year rebuild. But the fact that you have Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, and Miles Turner definitely gives you some hope for the future. And I like where this team's going. Uh, it just might take a little while. Yeah. Yep. Any last thoughts on the Pacers? They got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they got a lot of work to do. If you're a Pacers fan, make sure you hit that like button down below and make sure you subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I are here. We're going to be here all offseason talking about the Indiana Pacers and many of these other teams around the league and what they can do to help return themselves to the NBA playoffs. We're going to be covering the draft lottery, or sorry, we're going to be covering the draft. We did cover the draft lottery. We're going to be covering free agency and a bunch of other fun off-season events. So if you love basketball, please hit that subscribe button and join us. Uh, we love talking about basketball. All right, Calvin, last one here. Let's might, might also be the toughest one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about... Let's talk about the Wizards. They finished last season with the fourth worst record in the Eastern Conference at 35 and 47. They're one of the few teams that made a pretty big offseason or sorry, in-season move at the trade deadline in trading Spencer Dinwiddie for Kristaps Porzingis. We also saw them move big, on. Big offseason deal, too. Yeah, we Trading saw them. Trading uh, Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez yeah. Harrell. And the then they end up trading Harrell yeah. at the deadline as well. Yeah. So let's talk about what they can do to improve this offseason. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind everyone what the depth chart looks like and the salary cap situation is. And also the fact that they have pick number 10 in this year's NBA draft. As far as, as the depth chart, according to ESPN, Tomas Sadoransky is the starting point guard for this team. Ish Smith is filling in as his backup. Bradley Beal is the starting shoe guard, shooting guard, and Corey Kispert is backing him up. 
Uh, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is the starting small forward on this team, and Denny Advia is backing him up currently. Kyle Kuzma, as you mentioned, that was just recently traded for last offseason, is the starting power forward. And Rui Hachimura, who was drafted just a few years ago, is his uh, backup. And the newly acquired Kristaps Porzingis is the starting center for this team. Daniel Gafford is coming off the bench. And to break down the salary cap situation here, it's, uh, you know, there's a few highly paid guys on this team. First off, Bradley Beal. He's got a player option, $37 million. And uh, he has until June 29th to opt in on this player option. Kripsops Porzingis has a $33.8 million contract for next season and a $36 million player option for the season after that. KCP partially guaranteed next season at $14 million. Kyle Kuzma is under contract for two more years, $13 million next season, and a $13 million player option the season after that. Thomas Bryant is expiring, $8.7 million. Uh, Ruri is entering in year four of his rookie deal. Denny Advia is entering in year three of his rookie deal. Ish Smith has a partially guaranteed $4.7 million deal for next season. Corey Kispert is entering in year two. And Daniel Gafford, $1.9 million next season before the extension kicks in. 12.4 the year after that, 13.4 the year after that, and 14.4 the final year. Can't forget about Isaiah Todd and Vernon Carey. Carey is uh, entering in year three of his rookie deal, and Isaiah Todd has got three more years left on his deal. The team is hovering right around that salary cap, uh, Calvin, so I want to hear from you. Top moves the Wizards need to make this offseason. Well, man, this one is so tough. Uh, The Wizards might be the most underachieving team for me in the last five to ten years. When you think about the the talent that they've had in this organization, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Porzingis, now they've got Kuzma, they had Harold, like uh, all of these guys. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, and they did nothing. They they did absolutely nothing the entire time. And now they've committed a ton of money to these guys. I love Bradley Beal. Um, I would want him on my team. I love the fact that he has stood by this organization through everything. But if I were running this team, I'd look to trade him. I really would. I, I would probably go full rebuild here. Wow. Because this this roster, they've got a lot of good individual players. But I don't have any confidence in them being a playoff team next year. They haven't shown me that mm-hmm. at all. Uh, Beal's been hurt a lot. I definitely don't trust Porzingis. Also hurt a lot. Also hurt a lot. Yeah. Kuzma played really, really well last year, but he was inconsistent at times. He's still kind of growing into the bigger role. I love Ruri Hachimura. I think he's got a lot of potential. But again, I just don't think that this team fits together. It's been a, a hodgepodge of trying to, to bring in these big-name stars in the hopes that it'll take them over yeah. the hump, and it just hasn't happened. Bradley Beal, I think you s- work a sign-and-trade for him to get as many assets as you possibly can and start a, a rebuild. That that would be the route that I go with this team. Wow. 
I mean, just looking here, it's hard to believe that Bradley Beal is still only 28 years old. It feels like the dude has been in the league forever. And it's hard to believe that Kristaps Porzingis is only 26. Yeah. Because he's played exceptionally well and, and dealt with a ton of different injuries. For me, the number one need on this team is they need a point guard. And they need a star yeah, point guard. Definitely. Maybe John Wall decides to come back to this team. I don't know. He hasn't been no, happy or, or, or playing in Houston. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this team is in a very, very tough position here. As amazing as Bradley Beal is, maybe you're right. Maybe they do need to consider trading him. It's so hard to get a player like that, and especially a player like that that wants to remain with your franchise, Yeah, which is the only thing that's holding me back from trading a sure. guy like Bradley sure. Beal. But I do have a lot of concerns. It's, it's a lot like Portland that we kind of talked about a little bit on yesterday's yeah. show. Maybe the best option for them is to trade Damian Lillard and get a huge, huge yeah. package in return. But it, it's probably unlikely that they do that. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, because you look at a guy like Bradley Beal and Chris Stops, I, I think they could be a very dynamic duo. But you have $70 million going out to them next season, and – we don't even know how many games these guys are going to play because they've both just had so many injuries, which is very disappointing. I like Kyle Kuzma. He's still only 26. I think he's on a very reasonable contract at $13 million next year and 13 uh, the year after that. And then you got just a bunch of these younger players that have shown some flashes of potential, but we don't really know what they're going to be. I like Corey Kispert a lot. Uh, I'm not sure what to think about Daniel Gafford. Uh, he could be going into this extension. Um, and I think that he's played okay, but do I think that he's like the guy for this team? Probably not. So there are a lot of questions on this team. If I'm able to somehow find a starting point guard, like a good point guard, like top 15 starting point guard in the NBA this offseason, I'd be okay to try that out with Bradley Beal and Porzingis for one season to see what happens. But how? But you're going to have to trade for that guy, though. There, there aren't yeah. any top 15 point guards available in free agency that I can think of, and this draft is not very loaded with point guards either. Yeah. So they have all their draft picks. They have the 10th pick in this draft, and then they have some guys that they can trade to fill salary, like like Caldwell Pope uh, and some of these other guys. So I think it is possible but yeah if i were to do that it would be like this is the last year that i'm trying out this this experiment and if it doesn't happen i'm going full rebuild it's just so hard to make that decision when you have a guy like a damian lillard or a bradley beal that is such a good player and has been so adamant in wanting to stay with your team yeah yeah i agree with that so it's very tough um let's touch here real quick on pick number 10 Anybody here you like in the draft around that 10, 11, 12 spot where you think could really help this squad? Well, uh, again, it, you know, we, it's the same thing that we've been talking about with this draft class. There, there are some fine players for sure, but are, are you going to get somebody at 10 that, like you just said, immediately helps the team win? Probably not. Yeah. You might get somebody that helps you win three, two to three, four years down the line. But I don't think that's going to make – that draft pick is going to make the difference between making the playoffs and not. Uh, maybe you, you end up in the play-in tournament and who knows what happens. Hopefully Bradley Beal doesn't get COVID. But, 
uh, I, yeah, I, this team has just, it, it feels like they're just running into a brick wall over and over and over again. Oh, we're going to bring in Russell Westbrook this time. Everything's great. Yeah. Oh, we're going to trade for Porzingis. Him and Beal will be great together. Bam, run into the wall again. Like, yeah. I, I'm tearing it down at this point. It's it's a very tough situation. What do you think you could actually get for a guy like Bradley Beal? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't think because of the injuries uh, and the fact that it's going to be such a high price tag to re-sign him, it's probably not the same type of deal that we saw uh, Paul George go for, you know, when he was traded from Oklahoma City. That was just an absurd amount of picks and everything that you could get. But I would think that it's, you know, maybe a two or three degree less deal than that. You mm -hmm. should be able to get a ton of draft picks. Um, you know, I'm even maybe looking at a team like Oklahoma City. Yeah. Pairing him and Gilgis Alexander together, Beal, that would be a really, really good start for them. You could get a bunch of picks back in return, maybe mm -hmm. three or four, something like that. Uh, and, you know, maybe you nab yourself a player like Lou Dort or something like that, who's yeah. a solid role player that helps defensively. I think a deal like that is definitely possible for yeah. Bradley Beal. Yeah, I think you could definitely get two, maybe three young players and two, three first-round picks for a guy like Bradley Beal and help jumpstart this rebuild so you're not stuck in this, like, mediocrity point where – you, like you said, you're just running into a wall over it, and over and over. They're again. pretty much in the NBA purgatory. No, really, they are. Like the, every year, you, you look at the roster and they've got all these guys that are all star level players mm -hmm. or have made multiple all star teams in their career. They're paid a lot of money. They got off to a really hot start this year. You're thinking the addition of all those three Lakers is yep. what they needed. Harrell was looking great early on for them. Um, and then. It just fizzles out every year. They guys get hurt after the trade deadline. They're basically a forgotten team again. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Porzingis? I, I wouldn't be going after him if I was an NBA GM. But if you're the Wizards, like he's only 26, so if you were to trade Bradley Beal, you could maybe build around a guy you get from Bradley Beal and Porzingis. Or are you just like, nope, Porzingis makes too much. He's got too many problems. We just need to sell him for whatever we can get out of him. I think he's overpaid, yeah. yeah. But if you're not paying many other people on this team, maybe it's okay to have one guy that's overpaid. Pro yeah, probably for a year or so. Um, but again, it, you know, if I'm going to go full rebuild here, I'm trying to create as much cap space as I possibly can. What do you think is a reasonable package to expect? For Porzingis? For Porzingis. That's a really tough question to answer. I, I think because of because of everything that's happened to him in his career, it, his size, his unique skill set, but the injuries, setbacks over and over again, that probably means that a lot of people in the league view him in different ways. You mm -hmm. know, I think there are still some teams or some some individuals out there that would be willing to take a bigger chance on him, a bigger risk. And I think there are probably a lot of GMs out there that wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Russell Westbrook for Kristaps Porzingis. Who says no? <laughs> I feel like we just did this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what is the point if you're Washington? Uh, you know? Maybe they can pick up a draft pick from the Lakers. I Maybe. don't know. Maybe. 
But yeah, it's they are in a very very tough position here. They don't have a clear path out of this. Um, if you're a GM, you, you gotta define what your goals are, where you're going. Maybe set up a timeline of like, okay, we're either gonna try it out one more season to get to the playoffs. If we don't, we're hitting the the rebuild button. Or maybe we're rebuilding now and our target is three, four years from now to be good mm-hmm. uh, because that's what it takes to develop young guys to, you know, maybe get lucky and win a draft lottery or two and, and move up a little bit. But this is one of the toughest teams we've had to cover so far. Yeah. It Trust really the process, Washington. Yeah. That's all, that's all I can say. Any it's last, last really, really thoughts tough. for the Wizards or the Wizards fans? Man, good luck. <laughs> no, I just like I, I don't know what to do with this team. I really don't. It, it yeah. it's they're a very very difficult one to to try to decide. But if I, I just feel like the fact that Bradley Beal's in his prime, even though he, he's had a few injury concerns over the past couple of years, you know, twenty eight years old, you should be able to maximize what you can get for him right now. Uh, and as great of a player as he's been and as, as good as he, as loyal as he's been and great for the fan base in the city, mm-hmm. um, I just think that that is by far and away their best option. I just don't see them getting any better yeah. with the way the roster is constructed right now. If you're a Wizards fan, hit that like button down below. Hit that subscribe button. Calvin and I are going to be here all offseason breaking down the Washington Wizards and many other teams around the league, so make sure you stay tuned. If you love basketball, this is the place for you. Also, we'd like to hear from you. If you are a Wizards fan, let us know down below in the comments what you think the Wizards should do this offseason to help them get back to the NBA playoffs. Maybe it's trade Bradley Beal. Maybe it's hold on to Bradley Beal. Maybe you want to trade uh, Porzingis for Westbrook. I don't know. But let (laughs) us know down below. We'd greatly appreciate it, and we answer all comments. What's up, Progressive G? Good to see you here. Uh, we've had a long episode so far. We were breaking down the NBA offseason needs for the Orlando Magic, the Detroit Pistons, the Indiana Pacers, and the Washington Wizards. And we're just about here in Q&A. So if you got any questions or anything you want us to talk about, drop it in the chat. Um, we're almost wrapping up here. We also talked about the Rudy Gobert to the Raptors rumors. So a ton of stuff here. We're going to be pulling out all these clips and reposting the video. So if you just want to watch a specific part, you can do that too. We also gave predictions uh, on the NBA Finals as far as MVP, most points, most rebounds, assists, and talked about our most underrated player in this year's NBA Finals. Calvin, what was your... your favorite thing to talk about today because we talked about a lot of stuff (laughs) we did talk about a lot of stuff um man i I don't know if i could pick a favorite okay it was was good Good i I got a i got a harder question for you okay out of the four teams we talked about magic pistons pacers wizards yeah who's winning a title first (laughs) oh a title yeah can I take none of the above? I, I don't know. No, I mean, I, I like, um, I, I think Detroit and Orlando are in the best positions out of those four teams right now. They, I like the young talent that they have. Indiana and Washington, we, we just talked about it as they're, they're just kind of starting the rebuild process. Mm-hmm. While Detroit and Orlando are definitely still in that, they're further along in that process yes. than Indiana. And, 
Washington are or will be. So uh, if I had to pick a team out of those four, I will take Detroit, actually. As crazy as that sounds, I really believe in Cade Cunningham. And like I was saying earlier when we were talking about that team, if they surround him with the right types of players, I could definitely see them becoming the Dallas Mavericks of the Eastern Conference uh, and kind of jumping up really fast and surprising a bunch of people. Interesting. It's hard for me to choose, but I I would probably say it's either going to be Orlando or Indiana. And the reason I mention Indiana is I'm a huge Tyrese Halliburton fan. I like what Chris Duarte has done, and I absolutely love Miles Turner. I think if you're able to build around those three guys, they all seem to be pretty unselfish guys. Uh, I know they have a history there in Indiana, great leadership, stuff like that. I could see the Pacers being back in the playoffs pretty soon if they if they do the, th- the right thing and build around those guys. Um, but I think Orlando, for me, is the easy answer for who has the most talent on their roster right now. And they have the number one overall pick here in the draft. So a lot of a lot of positives to look forward to for those two fan bases. Yep. Not shading Cade Cunningham at all because I think he's an amazing player. But I'm just looking at this Detroit Pistons team, and I'm like, I like Sadiq Pei. I like Cade Cunningham. What else What else you got yeah, going on Yeah, they don't have here? anything else right now. Yeah, but yeah. you add a guy like Shaden Sharp potentially to that list, they trade Jeremy Grant maybe for another in-back player plus a couple of draft picks, something yeah. like that. I think in a year or two that that team could be could be well ahead of where they are right now. Yep. Progressive G's got a good question for you. Do you guys think Jimmy Butler will be an MVP candidate next year? I, I will say no. Not because I don't think he's deserving of it, um, but as we've seen from Jimmy in in years past, the regular season, you know, he's kind of like LeBron. <laughs> he doesn't really care about the regular season. Not that LeBron doesn't put up crazy numbers you heard anyway. It. Jimmy is, is LeBron. <laughs> I, I just think that's not really what Jimmy Butler is about. He's He's about doing what is necessary for his team to win. They're a very balanced team. And I expect them to – it's Miami. They're, I expect them to try to add more star power this offseason, whether it's you know, re-signing Tyler Hero and inserting him into the starting lineup or trading him for another big-name player. Donovan Mitchell's name has already been mentioned uh, in some rumors like that. So it's not that Jimmy Butler can't play at an MVP level. I just think with the way that Miami operates as a team – the fact that he's going to have a bunch of other mm-hmm. high-profile star-level players around him most likely means that he probably won't get many votes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Calvin. And kind of on the same same strategy or, or, or topics that he's talking on, he's on the Miami Heat, which is a phenomenal team, but they don't usually have that one guy. Like, I mean, you could say, oh, LeBron was that guy or D-Wade was that guy. But they're more team ball than a guy that just does everything. In the last few MVPs we've seen has been a guy that does everything in in, uh, Jokic and um, Giannis. I also feel like guys that play exceptionally well on the defensive end of the floor like Jimmy Butler don't really get that much love for MVP. He uses so much energy for defense, and he's not a great three-point shooter. Those are kind of the things that really stand out in MVP voting for me is like a guy that – 
it plays so well offensively. Yeah. And don't get it, me wrong, like Giannis has been an incredible defender, uh, is an incredible defender, but uh, I think that Jimmy Butler doesn't stand out, like you said, in a regular season. He's more of a guy that plays big in the moment. And that's bigger than a regular season MVP award, in my opinion. And I think there's a lot of young guys that are playing exceptionally well that care about MVP awards. Yeah. And that are going to have amazing seasons next year. Yeah, I mean, I is it a doubt shame? If, I, I don't know if it's a shame. Like, I think you can still recognize how great of a player Jimmy Butler is, even if he doesn't get a single vote for MVP. Like... I can see him winning finals MVP. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm sure he would much rather win a championship than win at the MVP yep. award for sure. But yep. All right, Calvin. Long show today. Almost an hour and a half. We had a lot of fun. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about the first game of the NBA finals. And we're going to continue on this trend. I don't know if we're going to do it tomorrow because we might have a lot of stuff to talk about as far as finals goes. Um, but we're going to continue this trend of breaking down three to four teams every day, what their offseason needs are going to be. So feel free to join us live if you have any comments, questions, concerns about that, or you're always welcome to rewatch it. We're going to poll and post all those individual videos. If you just want to watch a specific team, you can do that. Calvin, any last thoughts before we wrap up the show? That was a fun one. Yeah. A lot and, of stuff to talk about. we got an NBA Finals game to talk about tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for watching. Shout out to Progressive G here. Shout out to Fred. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Hopefully you guys have a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. We will see you all tomorrow. And don't forget to tip your bartender.